America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. That's huge. You know, it's huge to uh, to keep the lead in our division. And uh, anytime you can you can win road games, it's it's big. You know, and uh, always said if you can win your home games and split on the road, you'll be in the playoffs every year. Well, that is true. That's Bruce Arians. Who also said, I want to be a father figure. I want to be the cool uncle you can go have a drink with. Love it. <laughs> uh, something Bruce Arians, after a Super Bowl title, can say. Something probably Urban Meyer couldn't get away with these days. Yeah. Yeah, I would keep that one under wraps, I would say. Yes. <laughs> Arians is that kind of, he's, um, he's just not the norm. But it, and it really works, you know. Sometimes not the norm doesn't work. <laughs> and, sure. uh, but for Bruce Arians and that team, and especially like a veteran team, uh, everything about it seems to work. You know what's crazy is Arians seems like he's so almost like a happy-go-lucky kind of guy. But you look at him at the sideline, he always looks like he's about to blow a gasket. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> Yeah. He, doesn't, he looks like so he's like red in the face like the whole game. Yeah. I just appre- <laughs> I just appreciate the fact that, you know, he's got the, the Oakley swag a little bit. You know, he's, he's got the glasses. He's kind of, uh, that's kind of like his look, if you will. Yeah. He goes from like I, the, the satchel. Yeah. And it looks like he's carrying like a transistor radio or something around his for sure. <laughs> shoulder. Uh, are you kind of Oakley? Uh, are you kind of surprised um, that Jim Harbaugh went away from his glasses? Because like, remember how I said, when we first started the show, I said that Jim Harbaugh wore those glasses because I think the ego in him said, when you have success at Michigan, and if you win national championships, like, people are going to remember you for those glasses, and they're going to be, like, storied, kind of like how Bear Bryant's hat was, you know, the fedora, yeah. with the, the hound suit and everything. And I thought that was Jim Harbaugh's goal with those glasses he used to wear. But then he got rid of them. Yeah, I I mean, I guess I haven't really thought much of it, but I guess they have been winning games. I mean, it's it's all I think about, Brent. It's all I think about is Jim Harbaugh's glasses these days. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Brent Martineau here at Extreme Wing Sports Grill here on Roosevelt Boulevard. Four locations in Jacksonville, of course. Go visit all weekend long and get football games. You got baseball games tonight, college football tomorrow, the NFL early and all day on Sunday, and, of course, Monday, uh, Monday Night Football. You can go uh, to an Extreme Wings near you, St. John's County off 210. Ocean Way, Kernan and Atlantic, or right here, Roosevelt Boulevard. Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, Action Sports Shack Studios. Football at 5 on a Friday as we head into the weekend. Uh, Leonard Fournette's getting it done the last few weeks. Is this surprising you at all? Who? Not really. I mean, when you have the firepower that Tom Brady um, and the Buccaneers have with, with their wide receivers and everything, 
and then you, you couple that with a pretty good offensive line, yeah, I think any running back can go in there um, and be successful. Now, you know, not to knock Leonard Fournette by any means because he really had to earn those reps, right? Because I think you had, uh, was it Jones? Jones yeah, was, Jones, was, was yeah. a guy, and then they still have Giovanni Bernard for more of the passing game. But Leonard Fournette has kind of cemented himself now as a bell cow because he's, he runs between the tackles, obviously, but also he's made himself pretty viable in the receiving game as well. Yeah, I, I I just tweeted this out. I said a little bit of this in a response last night on social media, and I firmly believe it. I, I was a fan of Fournette, the player, more than a lot of other people were. Mm. Uh, I think Fournette had some issues here in Jacksonville. I think some of that was his own maturity issues, and I think, you know, in hindsight, I believe he's admitted to a degree some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the Jacksonville Jaguars and what they had going on and some of the toxic nature of from Ramsey to Coughlin to whatever, the whole situation uh, didn't help the, the Leonard Fournette front. But I do feel like Fournette needed to get out of here to get the most of his abilities. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing that. And it didn't happen overnight. But I think, like, uh, you know, sometimes it's just uh, – a little blooper for a, a, a hitter that gets you out of a slump, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Fournette didn't have a little blooper. Fournette had some success last year and kind of piggybacked off a really good team to ha- get a Super Bowl ring, you know, and kind of refine, uh, kind of find himself again and find out that, hey, man, he can be a big part of this because he was good. Playoff Lenny, right? Correct. That's where it came from. Yep. And so I feel like... He's now got some momentum, that confidence that made him a Pop Warner star to a high school star to a collegiate star to a top five pick. All of that stuff, I felt like he lost a little of that swag and was kind of losing his way and recaptured it. And I can't help but think of that Tom Brady has to have have played a huge role in all of this. I don't want to give him too much credit. I think some of it belongs to Leonard Fournette. Some of it belongs to maybe it's Byron Leftwich. Maybe it's the backs coach. Maybe it's Arians. Maybe it's everything. But I got to feel just this is what Brady does. Brady brings the best of you out. And I think a guy like Fournette had to say, hey, man, if I'm going to play with Tom Brady, I got to do it the right way. You know, I got to be the best of me. And there's just – he Brady might not even have ever said anything to him. He may have, but he might not have. But that's how people respond around Tom Brady. I mean, look at New England, some of the catches people made for him and uh, uh, Tom Brady's because they didn't want to let that guy down. He was already doing so much. I think there's a little bit of this with Leonard Fournette, and now because of that, I think Fournette is now really starting to get the most out of his his athletic talents. You know, I think with, with what Tom Brady's been able to accomplish in his career um, and the resume that he's built up, like he's really a second GM now in Tampa Bay. Obviously, he brought Antonio Brown there. He talked Bruce Arians into doing that. But you, you get the sense that Tom Brady kind of has at least like a, the final say in terms of roster moves, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So when you have a guy like that who's really a second GM, I mean, you have to play your best ball, not only obviously in the game, but also in practice. I mean, you you have to be a constant professional around Tom Brady because I'm sure he's watching. And I think Tom Brady expects nothing less but your best, but excellence, because that's going to win you a Super Bowl, and that's the goal at the end of the day. So I just think of Leonard Fournette going to Tampa Bay, being paired with Brady, being paired with other great players, you know, like Mike Evans, Chris Gowan, um, you know, and such. It, it just... It's contagious, and I think that's kind of got a, an effect of Leonard Fournette a little bit, where in Jacksonville, 
he was kind of counted on to be the guy. Like, he had to be the leader. He had to be the tone setter. He had to be all these things, and maybe he wasn't quite ready. Maybe that wasn't the role for him. He goes to Tampa Bay, and he's not be, he's not being relied upon to be the, the leader or the tone setter. He's just being relied on to do his job, and he's doing a pretty damn good job of it. Yeah, I see. I think Fournette's situation, there's a lot to, like, get mad about in Jacksonville over the years or not like. Or let's say Josh Oliver becomes this star. We're like, what the heck, right? Quincy Williams starting to play well. Why'd the Jags just unload him, get rid of him? Like, uh, those are reasons to, and we'll see how all those situations shake out. But those could be reasons to get mad. Like, I will forever not, I will forever be like, I can't believe the organization couldn't make it work with Jalen Ramsey because I think Jalen Ramsey's going the Hall of Fame and you're not going to find another player like that, okay? So for whatever reason led to it, I don't think it would have worked out here, by the way, long-term with Ramsey, almost regardless. Uh, but the bottom line is they had one of the best players in franchise history and they got like three years out of him and then traded him. Mm -hmm. So like I think that's legitimate. We know what he's going to be. I don't feel that way about Fournette. I feel like, you know what, they got a couple good years out of Fournette. I still believe heavily they don't go to the AFC Championship without Fournette. I, I just firmly believe that, and you almost can't talk me out of that. And then I believe he actually did a couple of good things beyond that. Like, he had some good numbers and good years, and then the Jags got rid of him because they found James Robinson. And now good for Leonard Fournette that he's found himself and might go along and, and have a good career and be good for the Bucks and maybe, heck, he wins another Super Bowl. But I think most fans in Jacksonville now would rather have James Robinson. Did I read that right? No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think, I mean, no one's watching Leonard Fournette on, you know, Thursday night saying, man, I wish he was here again. Like, James Robinson has come in. He cemented himself as, you know, the leader in the running back room. And I think it was a good situation for everybody. Like, I don't think Leonard Fournette's a bad guy by any means. You know, it just didn't work out in Jacksonville. Like, a lot of things didn't work out here in Jacksonville when he was part of that team. He goes to bigger and better places in Tampa Bay, and he's having success. You know, good for him. I don't think a lot of Jaguars fans really have the ill will towards him. Then you have a guy like James Robinson, who you essentially have on, on nothing. He's an undrafted free agent. You're, you're paying him next to nothing, and he's probably the biggest contributor right now on this Jaguars offense. So... You know, in terms of salary cap, in terms of what James Robinson turned out to be, in terms of a lot of things, I think it was the right move for both parties. And I'll just say, as a fan, uh, Fournette was my favorite player. I have a Fournette jersey. Like, I was super oh, excited nice. when they drafted yeah, him. Yeah. And when they cut him, I was mad. I was upset, and I tweeted some things, and sure. it's okay. And But now, I love James Robinson. So, like, just from the f my small fan perspective, like, I'm so happy for Leonard Fournette. Like, he's on my fantasy team. I thought he was going to be good and all these things. But I think to your point, Brent, it did. I think it did work out the best for everybody, literally everybody. Which, which is sometimes rare, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. But because I, I I can sit here and say, all right, you let Clayus Campbell go, and it's good for Clayus Campbell, but was it good for the Jaguars organization? I don't know. At the time, I don't know. Yeah, I I would say that's a good call right there. By the way, I I actually wondered this the other day. And this is kind of stupid even to bring up. I, I don't think I tweeted it because I tweet a lot of stupid things, but I think this would have been dumb to tweet. Um, so I'll just say it instead. Yeah, smart. <laughs> save, it, save it on live radio. <laughs> yeah, I know. it. Maybe they'll have to really search hard to find it or we can delete the show after. Now we're talking. Um, but I did wonder this the other day watching Calais play. 
and make some impact plays still. And and while I doubt, I think you could probably even ask Calais. I don't think he's like 2017 or even 18 Calais. He's still very impactful, and he was impactful in that football game. And you hear when you go when you see a broadcast for the Ravens, you hear people talking about Calais Campbell still as a force, you know. Yeah. And they have to game plan and and look at him and find him and all this stuff. So I was like, what would the Jags be? Just like this year, like how would you feel about the Jags if they had just like Calais and Ramsey on their roster? Like if they were able to, you know, they had to let Jan go, right? Because they couldn't afford them all, Mm -hmm. right? But so they let Jan go. They got Josh Allen. uh, They have Calais. Like I don't think they haven't replaced Calais. So Calais would certainly still fit from a production standpoint and play and be in the rotation and be better than anybody really the Jags maybe even have up front. Uh, Jalen obviously would be big and still have him. And while you might have drafted C.J. Henderson and still that would have been wrong, maybe you don't have Shaq Griffin here. You know, so there might have been a domino that falls somewhere in there um, that's different. But I just wonder, like, how much better do those two guys make this football team by keeping them? Um, and, and, again, you might not have the exact same defense, but you have a lot of the same things because you were going to rebuild it. Uh, Joe Cullen was going to run a different scheme, all that stuff. I don't, I don't know the answer to it, Austin. I was just kind of curious because, listen, the gas tank ain't empty on Calais. You could have kept them. You have the money to keep them. And, you, by the way, you could have both those players and still probably be under the cap the way the Jaguars are built. If you're asking me how do I think they would be if they were still here in terms of how that defense would be, I think it would be night and day because, you know, and I was so adamant about this when Calais left and really when Jalen left as well. It's, yeah, you're losing the production on the field, obviously, right? You're, you're losing a corner that you can really put on anybody um, as a wide receiver and you don't have to worry about the wide receiver for the rest of the game. Like, that, that's, that's rare, um, and that's a freakish thing in the NFL. With Calais Campbell... You know, on the field, obviously uh, a, a beast amongst boys, if you will, you know, in terms of just what he's still doing in terms of shutting the run down, um, getting after the quarterback. Like, yeah, he still has some left in the tank, and he's probably your best defensive tackle in a 3-4 defense if he's still on the team. But what you're also bringing is the attitude of Jalen Ramsey and that swagger of Jalen Ramsey that you saw the Los Angeles Rams get when he got there. Right, because the the Rams defense, like it wasn't always stored like we talk about it now. And granted, they're kind of struggling a little bit now, but like it was it was it was the Sean McVay show. It, it was all about the offense, about Jared Goff. It wasn't about their defense. Yeah, you had Aaron Donald, but it was all about their offense. Jalen Ramsey gets there, and now all of a sudden they have a little more of a swag on defense. They're playing like a bunch of dogs, if you will, which is you know the ultimate compliment you can say about a football player. And then with Calais Campbell, just the consummate professional, just a, a guy who's been around, who knows how to do things the right way, if you have two of those guys in the locker room in terms of the swag, the intensity, um, you know, playing with that chip on your shoulder like Jalen Ramsey has, which is contagious, and you have the professionalism of Calais Campbell, yeah, I think this defense would be drastically different, and I think this locker room would be drastically different. Yeah, that's a good call. And now, listen, there's a, if you really take the events of everything, if they have those two guys, my guess is they win a game or two last year. They don't end up with Trevor Lawrence, all that stuff. Like, so that's one way to look at it. Let's just say they, they still did. 
I don't think Jalen Ramsey survives 0-20 around here. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just don't know what that would look like, Austin. Like, I don't know what Jalen Ramsey yeah, but in this you... locker room would have looked like. Now, I don't. I understand what you're going to tell me. They, they wouldn't be 1-15. Well, oh, yeah. Is they st- I don't think he, him he alone makes them makes them, you know, 10-6 and six either. Oh. It would have been a miserable year still in Jacksonville. Okay, but let me ask you this. Jalen Ramsey or any guy in that locker room right now, who is probably going to be the, the sickest of going 0-20? Probably Jalen Ramsey, correct? Yes, true. So then if that's the case, well, I mean, that's the kind of guy that you would want, though, because you would get the feeling like no matter come hell or high water, he wasn't going to allow this team to go 0-20, whether it was calling people out, whether it was holding people accountable. Like, you didn't get the sense that he was going to allow that. And, and if it did happen, then, yeah, he would go absolutely ballistic and, you know, who knows what he would do. But, like, that's the point. That's what you want in a teammate is, like, you know, to have a, a, a higher sense of, of accountability. Now, yes, th- that gets lost sometimes in translation because it comes off as cocky or arrogant uh, and fans not liking you, and that's fine. I'd rather have a player that fans don't like um, if that means that he's not going to go 0-20 because he's not going to tolerate it on his watch. Yeah, yeah. I, well, yeah, I get it. I just wonder, given the fact that we know what happened with Ramsey in terms of, okay, I want out of here, I demand a trade, the back stuff, everything else, would he have asked out of here in the last year and a half, too? Be- if, even if they weren't 0-20, but if they still weren't having the amount of success that, say, he had hoped for, you know, uh, revolving door at QB, whatever it might be. Um, I don't know. I just wonder about how he would handle some of uh, some of that if they hadn't turned it around quick enough. Now, to your point, like you said, maybe they have a better chance to turn it around if uh, guys like that are here. I would, yeah. It, uh, I it's mean, tough to know. I would rather have guys not handle 0-20 than guys that are comfortable and complacent with 0-20. Yeah, the, the bottom, yeah, the, the bottom, there's a difference, though, between, like, not handling 0-20 and being like, I demand a trade every week. No, for sure. I mean, I mean that that was a result, obviously, of the, I mean the Tom Coughlin regime and all of that. But I'm just saying, if Jalen Ramsey wanted out of here because this team's 0 and 20 and they are making the proper moves at you know at the quarterback position, whatever the case may be, then so be it. I mean, then the, the, that's on you. But I would rather, truth be told, I'd re- want those guys in my locker room that have the higher standard, that want to win ball games, that are sick and tired of losing, as a guy that just goes out there and says, yeah, we'll figure it out eventually. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you one more thing about this as a total hypothetical. And let's take Ramsey out because he just feels more combustible. And, and what he, you know, who knows? Uh, Calais Campbell's not combustible guy. Would Could this been, this all this stuff be sped up with his presence in the locker room um, over the last year and a half and and everything else if he was still around? Like, would he make that much of a difference uh, just by being a veteran guy, people respect, and obviously play on the field. I think is still it's not dominant, but I still think it's effective. Um, would he have an effect in the locker room? I mean, this locker room now really has a veteran presence in terms of you know Rayshon Jenkins, in terms of Shaq Griffin, um, you know Robertson Harris, Malcolm Brown, Jahad Ward. So it's not like you're really worried about the veteran exp- like, you know presence, but like I, I think Josh Allen's development. 
I think that if you have a, a, a better go-to right now at the three technique, at a defensive tackle technique where you can get after the passer up the middle, that helps your outside guys out like Josh Allen. So I think it would be huge in terms of, you know, productivity, let's just say, on the edge rushers. Because right now, I mean, yeah, you get two or three sacks a game and that's fine. But I, let's be honest, I think we have higher expectations for this front four. I think we have higher expectations for Josh Allen. And I think we have high expectations for Caleb on Chase on, or at least we did at the, at the beginning of the season. And I think Calais Campbell being here would help amplify their play and amplify uh, their expectations. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, Zach Ertz got traded today. A, a, a trade that I throw out there, and I understand, like, Jarvis Landry's out right now or has been injured. Would you at all be interested in a guy like Odell Beckham, who seems like he's doing nothing in Cleveland? If the Jags, you think that would help this organization, help Trevor get a guy like that in here? Uh, speaking of a guy whose personality-wise has been, yeah, sometimes tested, uh, but man, he's—they want to run the football. They don't—he's not even a featured part of their team. And Joku has been really more of their guy. Uh, well, Landry, yeah. they already have. I mean, but uh, no, I mean, there, uh, there hasn't been a wide receiver this year that's really been featured for the Cleveland Browns. I know it. So yeah. my point being, I mean, he—he's probably not the happiest of guys. Do they even need him? And uh, would you would you make a phone call to Cleveland? How much does that help out? Um, or are the Jags just not in a place right now to go get that kind of contract, that kind of player, because that's more of a let's put us over the top kind of move? Yeah, I don't think they're in any position right now. They are from they have the money, obviously, but I just think from what you can, you know, cultivate with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. You just you just don't have that right now. And, and like once again, I'm not sure how the organization feels about Beckham Jr. Um, I feel like, I mean, I don't, I've never heard anything like where he's, you know, been upset. I know him and Baker got into it um, a little bit, but who doesn't in a locker room? I, I just think Cleveland Browns would do right by him. If they did trade Odell, he'd probably go to a better team. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's... I mean, do you think, you think, you think the Browns would trade him to Jacksonville? Well, it's all about compensation, man. I... I... Yeah, I do. I, I don't. I don't think every person that gets traded has it. Has like, so hey, yeah, don't send me here. That, that's they don't have that option. I, and I don't okay. know if Odell Beckham has done enough to do that. Zach Ertz had, Calais Campbell had. I'm yeah, not sure Odell Zach Beckham. Zach Ertz had. also spoke out against the organization and training kid. But then they, but then they smoothed it over. So you don't think if the Jaguars offered a, like the Eagles a fourth or third round pick, you think Zach Ertz would be in Jacksonville right now? No, I think they took care of him. I think that wouldn't be a deciding factor in the Odell Beckham stuff. Because why? Because I don't think he has that kind of equity built. I mean, what the hell has he done in Cleveland? What about two sixth? Two <laughs> sixth round picks. <laughs> All the sixth I mean, round picks. I mean, seriously, what, what has Odell Beckham done in Cleveland? Like, why would he be so like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of you, man. He doesn't feel like that to me. I mean, does, do they owe him anything? They gave him a huge contract. I don't they know, man. On that huge contract. Yeah, I don't know. All right. We send you into the weekend thinking about that. How about that? <laughs> That's the last thing I'm thinking about. <laughs> Have a good weekend. Later, man. <laughs> we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Kevin Sullivan joins us. We talk a little high school football. Get you set uh, for the Blitz Scoreboard Show coming up at 9 o'clock and also the Friday Night Blitz later tonight. We've got some big ones around the air. We talk about them next live from Extreme Wing Sports Grill here on Roosevelt Boulevard on ESPN 690. Belongs in Philadelphia. For me personally, covering Super Bowl 52 
writing the book really special. Um, he was instrumental in helping me write that book, and he was instrumental in helping write the history of championship football in Philadelphia. So he's beloved. People uh, are really saddened to see him go, but it's the right move for the Eagles in the end, and it's definitely the right move for Zach Ertz, and I wish him all the luck in the world. Sal Palantonio knows Philly real well, and you can get the sense. You see the Eagles tweeting about Zach Ertz, and that's how much he meant to the organization. Obviously, Super Bowl, all that stuff. Uh, they smooth things over uh, in training camp, and they probably smooth things over because I bet part of that conversation was, hey, if it doesn't go well, we'll get you out of here and send you to a contender. Um, that might have been it, but let's see if we can win with you here first. Um, and uh, Zach Ertz on his way to Arizona. I do feel like it's different than Odell Beckham Jr. Now that Austin can't talk about it, I'm going to say it uh, <laughs> one more time. Brad Martino from Extreme Wings Sports Grill. Austin on his way to the weekend. Casey Kurtz with us. Coach Kevin Sullivan will join us in just a moment. He's out of town and still making time for us to talk some high school football. But first, let's bring you our Swoop Minute here on a Friday. The UNF Ospreys have a lot going on right now. Men's soccer, women's soccer, volleyball picking up home ones, wins this past week. Fall Sports Nears Championship season at the collegiate level, uh, believe it or not. In men's soccer, picked up two second-half goals to defeat one of the tougher A-Sun teams in Lipscomb in a critical home game. Women's soccer started off a three-match homestand with a one to nothing double OT win thanks to a PK golden goal from Thais Hayes in the 106th minute. Volleyball won its ninth straight against JU to improve to 16-2 and and 5-1 and in the A-Sun. Osprey 65th in the RPI, ninth best winning percentage in the country. Cross country continues its season at FSU and invite and pre-nationals in Tallahassee. Women's tennis goes to the ITA Southeast Regionals in Orlando Friday through Sunday. Men's golf uh, in an invitational hosted by UCF. And Men's and Women's Basketball Media Day coming up next week. Swoop Madness set for October 27th. And UNF Basketball Fan Day is on November 4th. More about the Ospreys, all sports, and season tickets for Men's and Women's Basketball on unfospreys.com. That is your Swoop Minute here on a Friday. And uh, thanks again to the University of Norfolk Ospreys for their support of our high school coverage, including the Blitz Scoreboard Show. That's coming up tonight at 9 o'clock. Brent Martineau and Kevin Sullivan, our Hall of Famer. You had a wedding coach? Yeah, man. It's uh, <laughs> I don't know who gets married during football season, but the wife's <laughs> like, we're going. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is this like family or is this, yeah, are this you is to the point where all like your other former players are getting married and inviting you? Uh, I, I'm at that point, too. I've been to a couple of those and everything. and uh, But, yeah, this is this is family. This is uh, first first. Uh, family so we had to do this because you know a year ago i wouldn't be doing it so yeah good point <laughs> uh well you that's know. cool we appreciate you still taking some time hey we got some big ones our friday night blitz game of the week oh. and i'll be uh, down there with the blitz scoreboard show in st john's county bartram trail creekside i've been talking about this really all year and here they are in 8a but it's not the only one this is a district basically championship on the line uh, i wouldn't say it's an elimination game though both teams really have a good chance to make the postseason don't you think Oh, yeah, without a doubt. You know, the game eight didn't really lose. I mean, it might have lost a little luster as far as us having two undefeated teams with Creekside getting upset last week by Atlantic Coast. But, uh, yeah, this game goes big, not only district uh, home field advantage because, you know, the winner of this one wins probably wins the district. Still with Oakleaf to go. Oakleaf's got a good shot. Uh, but, again, they'll be able to host the first round instead of having to travel and go in as an out and large. 
Yeah, and Oakleaf and Mandarin will play. You said it. I mean, Oakleaf is always involved in this stuff. Bartram Trail, Creekside, Oakleaf. Um, I think over the years it's been at times when Creekside wasn't in this district. I think it was like uh, Bartram Trail, Fleming Island maybe, and, and Oakleaf. Right. That would be that, yep. that triumvirate. And at least the system is different where you can still get in. Uh, but Oakleaf, that's a big one today to beat Mandarin, right? Yeah, and, you know, we know Mandarin. I mean, they played well. They beat a really good Baker County team, beat an undefeated Ed White team last week. And, uh, you know, they've lost about three games on the last possession. And uh, so they're, they're, I'd be a little nervous if I was Oakleaf going into that one. Yeah, and we've always said it. It seems like uh, Bobby Ramsey has his teams playing well later in the year. I'll tell you a big one now. Don't sleep on it. Nice and Fletcher. We've been talking about Nice and what kind of year they've had. Fletcher under Seatric Faison, who, by the way, will go into the Florida Georgia Hall of Fame in a couple of weeks. That was announced this week. Uh, he's 2-0 and in district. Nice is 3-0. and Obviously a big one in 7A. Oh, huge game in 7A, and probably the way things started with Fletcher starting 0-3, nobody thought this game would be that important. But again, a win tonight for Nice. They probably lock up the district tonight, home field advantage. Uh, probably one or two seed in that, that 7A district. But Fletcher, man, they've been playing well, really good on defense, giving up like 12 points a game, really good on defense. But this one could be a real close one. they got to be able to control Marcus Stokes in that passing game, Fletcher's defense. And Stokes has really been a... a breakout player it feels like around here didn't know much coming into the year on him but uh he is leading the way and and expect the ball in his hands now listen nice has been able to score Fletcher likes to kind of keep that scoring down a bit yeah they're going to control the clock they're going to run the football i think that's what they've sort of made the change in the last few weeks getting down to running the football controlling the tempo of the game controlling the clock and playing great defense and they've got to keep that nice offense off the field i'm sure Seattle wants them 10 12 14 play drives and uh, get some points every time to keep nice to pressure on nice yeah uh, some other games uh, in the air columbia coming off that big win against riverside they go to orange park they'll be looking uh, for not a letdown game bishop kenny ed white ed white trying to bounce back uh, four and one overall, but they've got that undefeated mark trying to keep pace with Baker County in 2-5A. Bishop Kenny uh, trying to get back. You know, this would be a huge win for BK if they were able to do it. Yeah, it's really elimination game for BK because if they get beat tonight out of the district race, they're pretty much out of the district race. And their RPI schedule, their strength of schedule is not that strong. They would have to do some really good things down the stretch to get in. So I think they've got to win tonight to have any chance to make the playoffs. And I think Ed White, you know, they take care of business tonight. Then they got the big district showdown with Baker, who's off tonight uh, this week. Yeah, St. Augustine week. off, Baker County's off, few of them off. Uh, we talked about 5A in the past, and this is a four-team uh, district around here. Well, they're all playing each other again tonight. It's yep. Uly Reigns, Parker Revolt, and one game separates everybody. Huge matchup in 5A tonight uh, in both of those games. Yeah, Uly's been, to me, the surprise team. They got the early win by one over Revolt. So tonight, Reigns basically sitting in a pretty good spot right now. They win tonight. That'll put them 2-0 uh, and in the district and with a revolt left to play, but everybody else in the district, um, you know, depends on what happens. If, if Parker beats revolt, revolt's pretty much eliminated. The range revolt game will just be provided. That should, uh, range should clinch the district tonight with a win over Uli. By the way, a special night at Reigns as they will recognize the 2021 state championship track team. 
the two A state champions include Harrison Robinson, Quincy Burroughs, who plays football, obviously, Kareem Burke, uh, Jaquan King, Kenton Kirkland Jr. Uh, that will take place tonight before the game against Yuli. They'll get their championship ring, so uh, it'll be a nice moment for them. One other one to tell you about here from a big district game. We'll see what happens, but Clay and Menendez, uh, they're both undefeated in 4-5A, coach, so keep an eye on that one. Uh, Clay you know, had an interesting start to the year, but now they find themselves 4-2 and two and 2-0 two and oh in the district. Yeah, Clay uh, started out pretty good. I think they were going to be a running team. They threw the ball well the first game. They went back to try to pound and do what they've done in the past. Didn't work out for them in two, two losses, and now they've come back and got back to passing game, more play action and more stuff, and uh, they've been playing well. And, again, I, I don't believe I, – I believe this game right here – the winner has the inside track for the district, and the other one's going to be really fighting to get in at all because their RPIs aren't great. All right, let me ask you one other thing, then I'll let you go to uh, get ready for the Blitz Scoreboard show later tonight as we'll be live at Bartram Trail for the Creekside Bartram Trail game clash in 8A in the be a packed house over there. We're going to go live 9 to 10.30 on the Blitz Scoreboard show. Uh, get nervous, Casey, because it's the first time we've taken the Blitz Scoreboard show on the road. And, uh, well, fingers crossed. Coach, let me ask you. Uh, <laughs> hey, Creekside, you could tell both of these teams, and we had this conversation a couple weeks ago, and then we saw it play out. Both those teams looked ahead uh, because they Bartram just snuck by Ponte Vedra. Yep, yep. And, and, and obviously Creekside lost to Atlantic Coast. And I'm not taking anything away from Atlantic Coast. I mean, yep. they just win the game, too. But th it, it was pretty obvious that they were looking forward to that game and both kind of thought they would end up undefeated. And then, well, didn't happen for Creekside. Almost didn't happen even for Bartram. If, like, let's take a team like Creekside. They get off to the best start in school history, and they lose to Atlantic Coast. And if they lose this game, does that take the wind out of their sails? And now do you start to worry about them being able to rebound for potential postseason in the end of this year, even though they got off to such a good start? Um, yes and no. I believe that, you know, they, they are really senior heavy group that have been through that have come a couple uh, short uh, two two weeks, two games in a row this year and last last year and the year before against Bartram. I think they've had this game circled no matter what. And uh, it'll be tougher for Coach McIntyre to get everybody back focused to finish the year strong. But, again, if they lose tonight, I think their RPI and who they play, they're, they're going to be okay if they can come and run it run it out the season, uh, you know, keep keep being positive and in, in, uh, winning the rest of the games on the schedule. And, go. and if they go at 8-2 and two and a loss to Bartram, lost to Atlanta, Coach, I, I think they'll definitely get in the RPI. Yeah, and I would too. I would just be a little concerned if I'm Coach McIntyre that, okay, we lose two in a row. Does, does, does that really stun us? Does it shock us? And we don't recover next week and the week after to get to 8-2 and two, um, and right. make sure and, you and solidify yourself. And it could because Oakley's going to be one of those games down the stretch too. Well, that's true. So they got another one on the horizon. Uh, so right. anyway, big big night across high school football. Tried to give Coach Kevin Sullivan the night off. He said, "No way, man. We got elimination night and district championship kind of night yeah. feel to it." That's it. All district right. championship week, district elimination. Got to go. But I'll see you at nine tonight. Uh, all right, man. Have a good one. All righty. That's uh, Kevin Sullivan, our Hall of Fame coach, uh, Jackson High School, Ed White, Atlantic Coast. And uh, he joins us each and every week on the Blitz Scoreboard Show. I have a lot of fun with that show, folks. I can't tell you enough. I keep trying to remind you, if you like high school football, heck, if you don't like high school football, the other one's doing it like this in the country. 9 until 10.30. We'll actually be live at Bartram Trail, the biggest game of the night in the area. We'll show you live action from that game and other games in the area. 
and uh, show you the fantastic finishes. We do it each and every week. We'll have scores. We'll have highlights. We'll have uh, reaction, and we'll have analysis from Coach Kevin Sullivan. 9 o'clock until 1030. Check it out on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. It's the Blitz Scoreboard Show brought to you by Baker Sports and University of North Florida Ospreys as well. And then we'll have the Friday Night Blitz with the TV highlights. 11-15 tonight on CBS 47 and following baseball on, on Fox 30. Not the normal 10-30 time uh, because of the baseball playoffs. Uh, maybe we talk a little baseball playoffs. We headed to the weekend talking that. A little football to end it. Here from Extreme Wing Sports Grill on ESPN 690. We've all had in front of us, no secret. You know, I haven't been real, been absolutely horrible. Probably my two worst starts of my career back-to-back right leading up to this um so you know i know what i had to do in between you know i had you know i had a job to do and uh, i knew that i had work to get in um you know obviously following my last start in tampa i mean i got off the mound every single day to because i knew i had to get something going uh if we were going to be successful and i know that i'm going to be a part of that so um you know just iron trying to iron out some kinks get back into you know a good rhythm and and find it and just ride it out as long as i can I'm assuming that's Chris Sale. That's correct. Who the Red Sox are going with in game one instead of Evaldi, uh, which is interesting. Sale obviously should be fresh. He's been knocked out of games early the last couple of times. Uh, he really, really has not been good the last two out, like he just said. And so uh, if he can deliver a big start, well, then the Red Sox, I think, will feel really good because right, their guy that they want on the mound is Evaldi. You know, that's their guy. That's their dog. That's that's their – he's not as good, but that's their Max Scherzer, you know, um, that they want out there. So, you know, what uh, – Noah Cullors, who's really been a guy that has been sneaky good in this run for Houston, Lance McCullers, he's not going to uh, be on the roster. Yeah. Uh, how much is that – like, what's the staff look like for Houston? I haven't watched Houston that much. I mean, it's – this isn't like remember Houston when they had Verlander and Morton and McCullers and all those guys, right? I mean, yeah, the is, cheaters, yeah. Yeah, this isn't even close to that kind of pitching staff. No, no, it's not. Obviously, Lance McCullers was their number one and their go-to. He will be replaced by Jago DeRizzi, who is not a one or a go-to. He's a former Ray, so I got some love for him, but he's not a one. Uh, Valdez will start game one for them tonight, and then Luis Garcia is, uh, is a rookie who pitched okay. Like I said, Odorizzi, and you it's it's not great. I mean, they they win games by scoring runs. That's what they've done with Altuve, Correa, and the boys. But um, their pitching went from not a great situation to really not a great situation without Lance McCullers Jr. Yeah, it's going to be like uh, slow pitch softball in the ALCS, don't you think? I mean, it's yeah. I'd be stunned if these are two to one type of three to two games. I mean, this has seven to five and. Uh, at the minimum written all over it, and we might get a couple of 10-8 games. 100%, and I think as strange as it sounds, the Red Sox are in a spot where if Chris Sale can pitch like Chris Sale's supposed to pitch and Nathan Evaldi continues to be making his name on the Red Sox playoff Mount Rushmore as pitchers, and I'm serious, um, if they can control the games they pitch and the bullpen doesn't completely implode, the Red Sox are in a great spot. Because their pitching should be favored over what the Astros have left. Now, obviously, there's a big if there, but they should, on paper, be able to control the mound early in the series. Well, 
here's the thing that's interesting. I think the Rays were a little bit like this, where they wanted this to be a short series so they can maximize their pitching. I feel like now the Reds, now the Astros may say the same thing, but I feel like the Red Sox are really like that because the way he was able to manage his bullpen by using Pavetta and Hauk and those guys that had started a lot during the year, you know, that's short series kind of stuff. When you have to start getting uh, your fourth, fifth, sixth bullpen guys, that's why I have said for so long the Red Sox are really not that good. They can't get outs in their bullpen. Right. But if you're going to bring Pavetta in there for an inning, two innings, well, that's a different story. This guy was pretty good for them. A, a lot of the year. So it's really how he's able to manage it. But the longer the games go, the more you have to use the pen. And the longer the series go, make it less and less available for a guy like Alex Cora to be able to circumvent his weak bullpen. Yeah. And I think I think it's going to be, you kind of alluded to it there, and I'll jump on that, is these are two really good managers. Dusty Baker has been through it. He's seen everything there is in baseball and then you have Alex Cora who against all odds Brent is just smart like he just knows what to do so I think you've got two guys that know how to manage a baseball game and maybe where Kevin Cash and Aaron Boone and those guys don't because they're more analytics related Dusty Baker Alex Cora they have a feel for the game and I would trust them to manage the pitching situation for both teams over other teams that could have been in it yeah, uh, one thing I'll say about Cora, Cora is one of these guys, and, and there, this happens in sports, where for some reason the team plays really well for him. Like, I don't know what it is, I, not there, right? Uh, but there's something about Cora where he maximizes, it seems like, the talents of his players. And they for, either love him, respect him, want to play for him, get the, you know, he brings the best out. Like, there's a... Not every coach can do that. And sure. It's almost like this intangible thing. Like, I don't know if he presses a certain button that allows that to happen, but it's either the calm nature of him, the culture that he had, whatever it might be, uh, that allows for that to happen. And, you know, the Red Sox have proven that under Cora. He has really brought out really good baseball, uh, especially this year for a team that, again, I, I just don't think on paper you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's one of the top four teams in big league baseball. No, uh, no, definitely not. But they've, they've proven that they want to play for him, and they did – they did the right things by acquiring a guy like Kike Hernandez, who does it all. He's a winner. He won with the Dodgers last year. Yeah, Kyle Schwarber awesome. is a winner. Um, a lot of they made the right moves, and you've got obviously JD Martinez and those guys who have been there. So the combination of the moves they made that may have seemed small at the moment, and the will to play for Alex Cora has worked out for Boston, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Nice job, Casey Kurtz. Uh, have a good Saturday. Uh, Sunday morning, uh, make sure you download the Relevant app, R-E-L-E-V-N-T. At halftime, we're going to try something from the Jags game and uh, talk a little bit at halftime. So that would be, what, somewhere around 11 o'clock in the morning. Jump on Relevant app, but you got to download it first. And uh, we'll have TV coverage all week, of course, weekend. We've got the baseball playoffs tonight on Fox at uh, 7.30. That's followed by the Friday Night Blitz. We'll be back here on ESPN 690 with the Blitz Scoreboard Show at 9 o'clock. Uh, that'll do it from Extreme Wing Sports Grill here on Roosevelt Boulevard. Have a good weekend, everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you again tonight at 9.